Well, it's good to be back with you all. I'm trying to remember the last time that we were here, but uh, I called Tim about coming just to share a brief missions report since Judy and I are missionaries that you as a congregation support. We have crew, our Campus Crusade for Christ, and uh, we just thought this would be a good opportunity. We're actually here in northeast Kansas. Um, uh, it's a little bit of a bitter, bittersweet time. Uh, Judy and I were here with all of our family in February as my mom went home to be with the Lord. And we had her funeral the first week of March. And uh, we were able to have a complete and full service. We had no idea what was going to happen with COVID at that time. But just a couple of days after the funeral, we had flown back to Florida. And they began to talk about social distancing and, and uh, don't leave your home and all of these kinds of things. So a lot's been taking place. Well, this trip is our first time back. And uh, basically, it is to... Uh, clean out and pack up things from her house in Highland and to prepare it to be sold. And as missionaries, that was home in the U.S. that we would come back to. And uh, for 24 years, it was home, even though we only lived there a few months every couple of years. Uh, so it has... Uh, been a week of uh, good remembrances, but also uh, sad to think about that no longer being home. But uh, that's a little update of what we are doing and some of the things that we are facing. Little did we know that when we left here, that uh, in Florida at our international headquarters there in Orlando, that uh, just a few days after we returned, the 1st of March, that our offices were going to be closed. Now, there's almost 800 people that work there in those headquarters. And only those that are worked in what was called essential services, and basically those are the ones who handle the uh, accounting and those kinds of services were going to the headquarters anymore. So we haven't been into our offices since then. We have been at home, and we didn't leave home except to go to the grocery store maybe once a week. So all of our business, all of our meetings as a team, all of our international calls and uh, meetings among international staff have been sitting in front of this computer, and it has been a new experience for everybody. Has this year been a new experience for anybody here? <coughs> anybody it's not new? <laughs> this is a unique year. The year 2020 is probably going to go down as one of the most unique years in history. And it's only half over. So 
only half over, <coughs> ladies and gentlemen. There's still a lot more to come in this year of 2020. Uh, we just think about all those who are graduating without graduating. I know that's true in Orlando. I don't know what's happened here in Kansas and Missouri and so on, but uh, it's very, very unique for a whole young generation as well as the elders as well. Several things are taking place. Of course, there is the whole COVID thing, the worldwide influence. Uh, it, it would probably be very difficult to go anywhere in the world and not find someone who is affected by that virus and its impact in communities. Uh, largely unreported in many countries of the world are those who contract the disease and get over it or perhaps die from it. It's created an atmosphere of fear among many, of anxiety about what's going on, about disruption of lifestyle, about uh, the silence of, you know, family and others being influenced by that. Second is the whole economic issue. Our country is one of those rare countries where very quickly the government rushes in and sent out a check to help. Well, that check didn't help too much. Maybe it helped uh, one month, but the long-term impact is still going on by the huge numbers of people that are out of work, lost their jobs, still looking now to be re-employed. Our economy has been affected greatly, and those ripple effects are going to continue for many, many months worldwide it has a much greater effect than here in the U.S. And we can certainly see that the rich are getting a lot richer off of this. Those who are shipping and supplying things are making a huge fortune while many smaller companies are going out of business. The poor are multiplying. And that is true in greater numbers overseas than it is here in the U.S. Then we put on top of that an event that took place in Minnesota. One black man who, for whatever reason, he wasn't uh, guilty of any crime, but he was in a place at the wrong time, it seems, and a uh, policeman put his knee down on his neck, and he was killed. And that was a spark that lit all kinds of racial tensions in this country. And some of those affect even other countries of the world as well. It's affected people on both sides of that issue. Well, that's a little bit of what's taking place in our culture and in our country. And it is going throughout the world as well. 
Now, a few months back, I read through the book of Revelation. Now, there are a lot of interpretations about the book of Revelation. But I came to the conclusion, as I have watched this year and uh, read in Revelation here, that whatever our views about end times, this is a, is a wake-up call of sorts, I believe. It tells us how the entire world can be influenced in Revelation, I mean, we just read in one verse how a third of mankind will be killed by a plague. That verse has been there since it was written by John. But now we have a much greater understanding how the entire world can potentially experience that reality. So... We've crossed, perhaps, a milestone, and our eyes should be awakened to some of the possibilities that exist. I'd like to read a short passage here that perhaps summarizes these days that we live in, and that's from 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul writing to Timothy chapter 3, and he says, But realize this, that in the last days... Difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self. Do we see that anywhere in the world today? Oh, wow. <laughs> Surely we do. Lovers of money? Is that very evident in our world? Surely. Boastful. Arrogant. Boy, just read our headlines. Revilers. Disobedient to parents. Ungrateful. Unholy. Unloving. Irreconcilable. Malicious gossips. Without self-control. We see many of these things in our daily headlines, don't we? They're in our headlines. Brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Holding a form of religion but denying its power. <clears throat> Paul writes, avoid such men as these. And then we'll skip down to verse 12. Indeed, all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Persecuted. That is on the rise. We can see it increasing in this country. Uh, if you're an outspoken believer in this country, you're going to be reviled. You're going to face 
a lot of persecution. India, with its 1.2 billion people, radical Hindu leadership has been re-elected last year, and they gradually are putting more and more more rules on to anybody who is not Hindu. So Christians are facing more and more persecution. Several Christian organizations with ties to the West have had the ties cut. You can no longer bring or send money into India for several different organizations, including Compassion International and others. So they're gradually cutting off Christian influence into India. China, after several years of relative openness, it seemed, has now tightened its grip on the whole of the people throughout the country. Many pastors are re-arrested, arrested, churches closed. They've demolished a number of large churches that took the freedom that appeared to be there, and they built large churches in a number of cities because the number of believers had grown so greatly in China. Now they're being bulldozed to the ground. And it's required that pictures of Mao Zedong and the current premier be put up in the churches. And pictures of Christ are not to be displayed because he is a rival to the influence of the Communist Party in the country of China. So, worldwide, right there, between those two countries, you've got two and a half billion people facing increasing persecution day by day. And it's coming more and more. It's interesting, in times, Paul wrote about, but Jesus also spoke about those in times. When he was talking about them in Matthew 24, the disciples said, well, when will this be? What will it be like when the end times come? And Jesus went and he gave a whole list of a number of things that will be true in those end times. You'll find that in Matthew 24. And I'm not going to go into all of those at this time. Simply to say, though, that in Matthew 24, right in the middle of all of that, that Jesus said that right there in the middle, verse 14, this gospel of the kingdom shall be proclaimed as a testimony or a witness to all the ethne, all of the people, all of the nations on earth, and then the end will come. So he he put there, in a sense, a condition for the end times to come. And that is that all peoples need to have the opportunity to hear the claims of Christ. We are nearing those days in terms of the missionary uh, responsibility 
in terms of the nations, the ethnic groups of the world. As I have spoken and shared just little tidbits with you over the years, I've talked about unreached people groups. And the mission uh, organizations of the world have talked about how do we reach into all of the people groups on earth. That's been the measuring stick of missions for the last 25, 30 years. And leaders of missions continue to measure progress toward that. They used to have what they call unengaged, unreached people groups. That means how many people groups in countries around the world are nobody is trying to reach them. And there are no known Christians in them. That is one of the key bottom line measurement of missions. Anyway, to make a long story short, the leaders of the main mission organizations in the world have reported that there are no longer, that there are zero unengaged people groups left on earth. That simply means that somebody is targeting every people group on earth. You better raise your arms and praise the Lord. That is the beginning of the fulfillment of Matthew 24, 14. That the gospel proclaimed in all the nations... That word nations is not countries, it's ethne or ethnic groups on earth. The beginning of entering every people group on earth is underway. Zero groups remain that somebody is not attempting to enter into them. It is a great day because of that. Just a few comments now. We see that people everywhere are, especially today, uh, there's a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of concern going on. We see that in the midst of all of this, there is some great opportunity as well. And that is just this Matthew 24, 14. This is the fulfillment of Matthew 28. Jesus' last words. To go and make disciples of all the nations. Same word again as Matthew 14. Not countries, but every ethnic group on earth. Go and make disciples. Okay? In Matthew 28... I'd like to just answer very quickly this morning why we should take that Great Commission seriously. That reaching of people for Christ. Why should we take it serious to reach people, to share the gospel with people? Why should we take that seriously? There are several reasons. Very quickly, uh, number one, 
In Matthew 28, 18 to 20, Jesus said, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. All authority has been given to me, is what he says at the very beginning. The most important reason is very simply, this great commission is not great simply because it's a great plan. Tell everybody on earth, that's pretty great. But it's great because of the greatness of the one who gave it. The greatness of the one who is ruler of heaven and earth said after his time here on earth, go and tell everyone. Make disciples in every people group. He gave that commission. That's the most important and most basic reason. Because Jesus Christ commanded it in Matthew 28. It's the greatness of the one who has all authority and he is no doubt preparing us for his return. That commission is given to every person who believes in Jesus Christ in every generation. It's for everybody, for each one of us. That same command is given because Jesus Christ commanded it. That's why we need to take that commission seriously. Second, we should take it seriously because, very simply, men are lost apart from personal faith in Jesus Christ. We need to be reminded of that. Apart from personal faith in Jesus Christ, Men are lost. So why should it surprise us that the direction that our country is going? Why does that really surprise us? Why do we wring our hands? Why do we, oh, where is our country going? Why is all of this happening? Well, it's going that way because so many of our people of the country and our leaders are lost. John 14:6 Jesus said, "I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me." What is the way? Jesus is the way. The early disciples asked Jesus that simple question, "What is the way to the Father?" Jesus said, I am the way and the truth about God and the life. There's no other way. So, have we forgotten? You know, every person that you and I meet is either in Christ or out of Christ. They're either enjoying the salvation that Christ gives, 
or they're separated from the life of God in Christ. Every person that we meet every day in our jobs, our work, our travel, every person. Men are lost apart from personal faith in Jesus Christ. And it does us well to remember that. Every person. Third, we should take the Great Commission seriously simply because Jesus Christ is God's only provision for our sin problem, the sin problem of man. In Acts 4.12, in Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. Wow. A lot of people in this country, increasingly it seems to me, say, but there are many ways to God. I've I've heard that increasingly as I've talked to people. Oh, it doesn't matter what you believe. There are many ways to God. That's a common, very common uh, response that people give. Is that true? Well, I have, living in Asia, first-hand knowledge about Islam. There is no provision for sin in Islam. It all depends on a distant Allah who will just make a decision whether you're good enough to go into paradise when you die. No, no assurance whatsoever, no possibility of knowing here on earth. You hope that you will by fulfilling the five pillars of faith in Islam. In Hinduism, they try to solve the sin problem by doing enough good works that they will be reincarnated to a better life and that that reincarnation will continue. There's no provision for man's sin, although they have ceremonies where they hope that they can be cleansed of sin by going into the holy rivers and dipping themselves in those rivers. All attempts to find forgiveness of sin. Buddhism tries to just simply remove everything, remove all desire, and reach a place of nihilism or non-existence to escape sin and its problem in our life. Animism worshiping many of the spirits that are around us. Even Christianity as a religion has that problem. If I do just enough good things and go to church and pray to Jesus, then uh, maybe I'll be good enough and God will accept me when I die. Our churches are filled with people like that who have never personally come to faith in Jesus Christ and been born of his spirit. So Jesus is the only provision for man's sin. Rebellion against God, rebellion against his people is going to increase in the latter days. 
So we need to be ready. We need to expect it. It should not surprise us. But that gives us a greater opportunity to be his witnesses. So good works won't solve our sin problem. Only Jesus Christ can do that. Why should we take the Great Commission seriously? Because sharing Christ is the greatest demonstration of love that you can ever show to your fellow man. We kind of forget this, don't we? We uh, have our reasons. We uh, think about some people who are struggling, maybe, uh, people who don't go to church, and we wish that someone would witness to them. Or maybe even we feel like we should speak a word to them about Christ. But what would they think about us if we shared the gospel with them? Uh, what It might hurt their feelings if I shared the gospel with them. Uh, maybe I'm just afraid. I don't know what to say. We have a lot of reasons for why we do not share Christ with neighbors, workmates, uh, people all around us. There's an interesting thing. Those are all reasons that uh, are self-centered. They're focused on us, not people who need Christ. Is that a good reason not to share? No, it isn't, is it? They really need to hear. It's the only help, and it's the best help. You know, in Matthew 22, what is the greatest commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. And a second is equal to it, or like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The greatest demonstration of love is to share what you have learned about salvation and eternal life with your neighbor. If we truly love God, we will truly love our neighbor and we will share with them. If the Lord puts people on your heart, take the initiative. Don't believe the lies of the enemy, the doubts that he puts in your mind about all the reasons why we shouldn't share. That's listening to the enemy instead of the Spirit of God who's prompting you to be a witness for Christ. Why should we take the Great Commission seriously? Because the Spirit of God has created a hunger for God in the hearts of people today. People are hungry. I'd like to just share a couple of examples. In the last three years, more than 70 million people have indicated decisions for Christ just through our ministry alone. And there are many other ministries at work as well. More than 865,000, get a hold of that number, 
865,000 new churches have been planted on countries around the world in just the last three years. People are hungry to know God. They're hungry to respond to the truth of Jesus Christ. The Jesus film, I've shared about the Jesus film, that Gospel of Luke, it's in over 1,800 languages now. 1,800 languages, and it's still increasing. You can get every one of those languages on your phone. Well, the newer phones. <laughs> so you will never meet a person who speaks a language. I'm quite sure you will never meet a person who doesn't speak of one of the languages of the Jesus film. And you can just share that. Just download the app, Jesus Film app, and then you have access to 1,800 languages of the Jesus Film. You can share that app with any person in your workplace or doctor's office or wherever, and they can watch it themselves and learn about Christ. Uh, in the digital world, also, write in your own pocketbook. This is giving access to the world unlike any witness that we ever imagined just 20 years ago. Uh, in 2018, a Barna survey said that 58% of Facebook users, and that's about a one and a half billion people on Facebook, were Facebook users were approached or heard about the claims of Christ. That's a lot of people. 60% of all the people on Facebook had heard about the claims of Christ or someone had posted there about Christ and they had heard keep it up our ministry has websites all around the world many different languages I have shared uh, here with you all we've passed out cards in the back about everystudent.com everyperson.com I'll share a story about that in closing but anyway every day Around the world, 550,000 people check in to those websites. 550,000 people every day click on those websites. People are hungry. People are seeking. One of the uh, Bible publishers has a website, and it's for people to write in with their questions about God. In March and April of this year, traffic to that website increased 72% because people are worried, they're concerned. What's going to happen? They're fearful. The number of people that receive Christ checking in to these websites has doubled in the last three months. The Spirit of God is at work 
right now, in the midst of all the chaos that COVID and George Floyd, death and all of these things have created. It is, it's amazing. It's not just here. Uh, Ramadan is the Muslim month of, of uh, worship. Just one example from overseas. During Ramadan, there's one night about the 20th, 21st day of Ramadan is the night of power. And we pray that Muslims, Muslims themselves want to have a visit from God. So Christians pray during Ramadan. Sorry. <laughs> I knew you needed a wake-up call. Christians pray that during that month that uh, Muslims will have dreams and visions of Christ. Well, in one country, in North Africa, almost 95% Muslim, they were able to get permission to show the Jesus film in, in a small town. They were able to go and in the mosque to advertise. You know, the mosque they call out five times a day people to come and pray. They used the mosque to come and find out about the Jesus Christ who is the true God. Well, during the following week, more than 16,000 people indicated decisions for Christ in a Muslim, highly Muslim place. 16,000 indicated they wanted to follow Jesus Christ. That's what God is doing right now in our days, in our times, all around us. People are hungry to know God in a special way. Well, I'll share one example and close. Our daughter is Elisa. She's been accepted into medical school. She's going to medical school in Mississippi starting August 3rd. And uh, about a month ago, uh, she needed a vehicle. <laughs> so we began the search to find a used vehicle that she could take and uh, have for her her years of medical study. We went, did our due diligence, visiting all the different uh, dealers and others who were advertising for these small SUVs. And we checked them off. No, not this one, not this one, not this one. This one we liked, and so on. Finally, there was one last one on our list that uh, we saw made a reservation for the next morning, went to the dealer, and there it was, sitting right out front in the dealer. And this guy sitting there, you know, just waiting for us. He was a black fellow. He had, uh, you know, a little white stubble, white straw hat with a feather on top. And I thought, oh boy. Because George Floyd and the riots that followed had just taken place. 
And I had just watched a video of George Floyd being killed with a policeman's knee on his neck pushing him into the paving. You know, I was touched. I was moved by it. I was sorrowful. I was angry. I had just watched it. This salesman's name was Michelangelo. (laughs) Michelangelo. Michelangelo. We pulled up and Michelangelo greeted us, you know. We're doing our thing. We had our masks on to begin with. We finally just took them off and began to talk and showed it. Elisa loved it. It was everything she wanted. Well, bright color, not a scratch on it. Uh, Perfect. Only problem was the price. She's going to medical school. And she's got huge loans that she had to take out from the government for that. So, uh, he said, it's perfect, it's just for her, but we, she can't afford it. So, he said, let me go talk to my manager. So, he disappeared for about 10 minutes. And he came back and he said, I can't explain it, but my manager said he'd take $1,500 off. We looked at one another and we said, we'll take it. Well, they went to do the paperwork and I said, Michelangelo, I need to talk to you. Can we sit over here? And we went over and uh, Lisa and I were there and I said, uh, You know, Michelangelo, I have watched on the news all that's happening in our society. And I want to tell you that uh, I feel embarrassed. And I feel sad and I feel angry about what happened to George Floyd. And I would just like to say that uh, I I want to apologize to you as a black man, as a white man, for all the injustice that just happened. It grieves me. I'm sorry. And uh, would you forgive me? And this smooth-talking salesman had no words. (laughs) And it was quiet. Michelangelo, his eyes got big. looked at me, he looked away, he looked again, his eyes got misty, I, I, yes, yes, it's just that no one has ever said anything like this to me in all my life, I forgive you. I said, Michelangelo, it's because I'm a different person on the inside. Jesus changed my heart and he enabled me to love others. And that's made all the difference in my life. I have a website here that I'd like for you to visit. 
And it talks about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. How you can know him. What do you think about him? And he said, well, when I was young, I went to church. And I was baptized as a young man. But after a few years, you know, in college, I, I just haven't gone to church much anymore. But my wife goes to church. And she is going to love this. We're going to take this and we're going to look this up tonight. I, I, this is wonderful. I said, that's great. That's, that's the best thing that you can do, Michelangelo. And, you know, social distancing at all, we just hugged one another. Well, a few days later, my daughter called Michelangelo up. She wanted a copy of the owner's manual and the title had to be transferred over finally to be done. She talked to him and the last words he said, and he said to her, he said, Lisa, Dr. Elisa, he said, (laughs) tell your pops I love him. brought tears to my eyes does again you see people are hungry and they're just waiting for us to share good news with them we need to take the great commission seriously people are hungry all around us all the crisis all of the struggle all the fears all the stuff that's going on in our country God is using it and he wants to use you and me to be his spokesman in this very time. It's the greatest opportunity that we have to share Christ with others. So step out by faith. Tell others. Take seriously that great commission. If God is speaking to your heart, about some people you know that you ought to speak to about Christ. Go ahead, by faith, pray for them. Let's pray right now, shall we? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the Lord of heaven and earth. Nothing happens here but what you allow. Thank you that you are working through Corona, you are working through all of the racial conflict. You're working through all the economic uh, struggles that are going on. They're very real things. But you rule and you reign over these. You want us to do what you've called us to do. These very things that we look at as tough and difficult, you look at as great opportunities for witness. So, Lord, use us to be your witnesses. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for being faithful partners with Judy and I all these years. We appreciate you very much.